and we're live. This is Keith on the uh, Rough Roads uh, podcast. I'm here with my buddy Trevor. What's up, Trevor? Hey, how's it going, Keith? Good, man. Happy to have you on. Uh, I, wanted to start, I wanted to start off. So Trevor's got a new uh, podcast he's doing. If you want to just tell us a little bit about that to get people familiar with it. Sure. It's um, the, the YouTube channel is uh, at Trip Over Drip podcast. Uh, it's going to be everything under the sun that involves humans, you know, so it's, mm -hmm. it, there's no specific content, there's no specific direction, I'm going to have multiple guests on from multiple walks of life. And the content is whatever the guest is, is about, uh, there might be certain things that that guest wants to talk about, it might not want to talk about, but it, it's going to be tailored to each individual guest. And I just, I feel like uh, the language is very powerful, and conversation is very powerful. Mm -hmm. And uh, lots of positive things can be achieve just through conversation yeah so so what gave you the idea to do it uh i feel like the world today is so crazy and unpredictable that mm -hmm. i really feel like this tiny little ant on an anthill and <laughs> the only thing that i can actually do to try and make a change is to spread my messages across the internet yeah i hear that so have you decided how often you're going to do it yet or you're kind of just still figuring all that out well, I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm still in the works of getting one or two more pieces of equipment. Um, I do already have a, a plethora of um, humans who want to be on the podcast, as well as mm. people that I want to talk to, you know, mm. understand the difference. And so, I mean, it's just going to be whenever I can really fit it in. I work two jobs. And so it's just hit or miss. Really, it's going to have to go with my schedule, you know? Yeah, I hear that. So we were talking before we got on. So you got five years sober coming up in November, which is awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. So what got you sober? You know, what was well, that moment? To be honest, it was uh, getting sent to prison. Yeah. Uh, November 5th, 2018, um, I made the poor choice to take a Mercedes that didn't belong to me. And I got in a high speed chase, um, crashed the vehicle that was in uh, Rock Springs, Wyoming. I went to prison in Wyoming. Um, mm -hmm. They gave me a th uh, two to four year sentence. I served three of it. Um, since the day of my arrest, I haven't I haven't used since. And I just uh, incarceration. I, I'm just I'm the lucky one that incarceration worked. You know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. where I just I I came to the realization that I can no longer act like a boy. It's time to be a man. And I became re grateful for all the things that I took for granted. Mm -hmm. And it just it and then obviously my children. I, I don't I don't think that. Uh, things would have went the way that they went potentially if I didn't have uh, children in my life, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. So what's, what's kept you sober through all these years? Kept me sober all for the five years. Yeah. I, uh, I realized that my freedom is important and that mm -hmm. um, I just had like an aha moment while I was in prison that I've just been wasting my life and my potential and everything that I have to offer the world. Cause you only get one life. You've, I've already mm -hmm. wasted 20 years of it, you know? Yeah, you should. So are some days harder than others? Absolutely. Every day is hard. Yeah. Has it gotten easier for you? Oh, I, it does get easier. I mean, I don't have cravings. You know, it's not something that I think about a lot. I, I have uh, a lot of blessings and things to be grateful for in my day-to-day -day life that allow me to sort of numb my addiction to where it's not on the forefront of my consciousness very much. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, there are, I mean, I, I have lots of problems, you know, you, you should, you know, Keith, like during addiction, people don't take care of their bodies. No, and, then, no, and, then, no. and then once they get sober, all of the things that 
are falling apart, continue to fall apart. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm a, I'm a recovering opiate addict mm-hmm. as, you, as you know, and yeah. uh, something I suffer from is, is back problems, you know, and mm-hmm. the pain, the pain of it. And so sure. There are times where my back really bothers me and the thoughts do come across like, Oh, I, I know how to fix this, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but it's, I, I just know in my, my heart and my soul that I can never even allow myself to even do it one time. So after I've had that thought in my head for long enough, eventually the thoughts and cravings go away. Have you ever had that moment where it could have gone either way? Like what, like you're that close to making a bad choice? Um, on with when it comes to my drugs, like drugs, yeah. no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. life choices, sure. You know, yeah. uh, it, it takes a, a long time for the recovering addict to retain and actually put into place coping mechanisms and, and things that you can do to regulate emotion in times of need. Uh, there's, 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 it takes a long time to figure all that out, you know? Yeah. I hear you. So how long had you been out there when, when you stole the Mercedes, how long had you been out there running around for in Wyoming? Yeah. I was just driving through. (laughs) So had you been, had you been out for a while using when that happened? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I completed, um, in like 2015, I completed the father's program at Odyssey House. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the parents program. Um, and then uh, some stuff happened in my life that caused me to spiral into a depression. And then I started using and I was using actively for about two years before I went to prison. And my, my using isn't just using. All of a sudden, I have some allergic reaction to drugs that when I use them, I, I just start stealing things. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so oh, yeah. it's, and, and, and sometimes maybe even aggressively stealing things, you know, it, tur- mm-hmm. it turns me into a monster. And so, uh, yeah. yeah. So what was, what was your lowest moment, you know, that you had when you were using? My lowest moment? Yeah. Like you're, you're kind of your bottom. I mean, to be honest, Keith, you should, the, 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 the time I'm going to talk about, you are very familiar with, I think that yeah. the time in my life where I was, uh, a frequent of the block or downtown Salt Lake City, uh-huh. City Creek, et cetera, et cetera, where I'm just literally sleeping on the sidewalk and uh-huh. every single penny I get goes to my, my, my drug of choice. You know, that, 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 I, I think about that a lot. Like I, I it's just yeah. crazy to compare now to then. And even then it was crazy to even think about that. That's how my life was. That kind of stuff keeps me sober, you know? Absolutely. See, see well, I, I did my treatment at a Valley Epic. Okay. And um, so I've been out of there for a while now. And um, I know it's it's a lot more laid back than places like Odyssey, you know, and stuff. But you said you were at Odyssey, right? Yeah, Odyssey is crazy. Yeah, I know Odyssey does a lot of good things <laughs> people, though, you know. It's a, it's a good program. It's just very, very hard. And the, the thing about the program I was in, I wasn't in just the normal, like, single adults program, you know, where, and really mm-hmm. that program is just like a huge fraternity house. But mm-hmm. the, the parents program that I was in was, I was going to treatment. Yeah, I was going to ask you, tell, tell her about that. Yeah, I would, I would go to treatment for eight hours during the day while the kids went to Odyssey House's very own little daycare. Really? And, then it, and then at nighttime, we would get our kids, and we're not only learning how to become people who don't use drugs, but your parenting is monitored with a microscope too. And so you're always being critiqued about how good of a parent or how attentive you are to your kids or how your punishing skills or how you, how disciplined you are, you know, like it was mm-hmm. like literally nonstop therapeutic at all times, you know? Mm-hmm. You have any stories looking back that were actually fun or funny? 
Uh, just about Odyssey House? No, just about in general when you were using. Oh, I mean, there's there's lots and lots of crazy stories, you know. Yeah, we call them war stories. <laughs> yeah, war stories. I remember one time, my friend showed up to this house that I was in on in South Salt Lake. Uh, this was an active addiction, and he's like, "Hey, Trevor, you know, uh, I got this guy in El Paso, Texas, that will hire us um, and pay us per diem and our motel room, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera." He's actually getting ready right now to rent me a car so I can drive there. Do you want to come? Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll hire you too. I said, sure, absolutely. I want to go to Texas. So we got in the car and drove to Texas. Uh, it only took about four days of active addiction while trying to work before we got fired. Um, <laughs> and long story short, basically the friend that I was with, because we, we rented a car to get there, we had no way to get home. So the, our boss yeah bought us Greyhound tickets and they gave the money to my friend. My friend mm-hmm. bought the tickets before we were supposed to like literally minutes before boarding the, the bus. I went to the bathroom. I came out of the bathroom. He was getting on the bus and said, I'll send some money back for you. And they let, he left me in El Paso, Texas. <laughs> that sucks. I lived there for like 45 days before I got back to Utah. Were you using in El Paso? Oh yeah. But the thing in El Paso that's different is the, the, the drugs that are, are readily available change. The opiates are, are are non-existent and it's just rampant with crack. Really? So, so I mean, right there on the board, they're non-existent. Huh? Yeah, I mean, there were times where I, like I I worked like under the table for this moving company, and you when sometimes when we would sit on this dock, you could literally see across the border into Mexico, where and kids are on the other side playing soccer at their little hut. Really? Like that El Paso. Might... Yeah, right next to like Juarez, Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Juarez is a pretty rough place. Yeah. And so uh, it took about 45 days for me to uh, figure out a way to get a ticket. I got the ticket um, two hours before I was supposed to get on the bus. Mm-hmm. I walked with a crack pipe in my pocket and got pulled oh. over. Um, oh, the cop ran my name and my social security number and all that stuff and said that they couldn't find me in their system. So even if, even though it's just a jaywalking ticket, he needs to take me into jail to fingerprint me to make sure that I'm a citizen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I, I only got 24 hours like, and then they released me and I ended up uh, figuring out how to adjust my times for my, my bus. And I came home back to Utah, but yeah, life is crazy when you have no, no, like, real recollection of what's going on and you're just like going with the flow and just trying to feed your habit you know you you people humans are put humans that do that are put in the craziest situations like tons of situations where if you people were to tell stories about it sometimes it's unbelievable you know people are for, uh, influenced to make crazy choices during those times you know yep. it's crazy how it all works you know yeah so over the last, you know, since, since you've been in a prison, you know, what's life been like, what's life look like, you know, for you? Well, I live in Orem, Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have my kids in my, fa- my life. I have a, a beautiful wife that we're not married, but in my heart, she's my wife, you know? So mm-hmm. my wife is uh, my, my rock and my biggest support. Um, I finally live my life with 100% honesty. Mm-hmm. And it perpetuates into the rest of my existence where, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I don't have to worry about if I have people at my house, if my wallet is on the table, if I go to the bathroom, my wallet's not going to be touched. Yeah. You know, my stuff, if I have people over my house, my things don't get stolen. You know what I mean? I really try to remain drama free and just uh, promote positivity and uh, happiness and 
laughter and knowledge, you know? So mm -hmm. really, I allowed myself to live the way that I was during my addiction and then fully was able to comprehend that I have the ability to manifest anything I want into reality. You know, mm -hmm. I just have to really do my part in doing so. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, off the subject, so I saw the artwork for your podcast. Who, who did that? Did you do that? The oh, artwork? no. No, I just Google the picture, you know? Yeah. So, so, I mean, to be honest, the picture, what it represents is that there's a theory that um, before like evolution actually really took place, that there, mm -hmm. there was multiple species of primates and there was a specific species of primate that native to the area that they lived in was, was psilocybin mushrooms. And over mm -hmm. long periods of times of these monkeys eating the mushrooms, uh, their brain grew and they became more evolved and learned to become more sentient. Uh, it, it, it made them be able to see better at nighttime. Uh, it helped cultivate, could potentially cultivate language. So that's like the theory is that uh, if, if, if evolution is real, that's the mm -hmm. theory I believe is that uh, there's just a powerful psilocybin mushroom in the forest that these, this, species of monkeys ate for a long 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 time and then eventually became superior and here we are today oh yeah i mean so how long go ahead. i'm sorry i was gonna say how long ago did you uh come up with the idea of your podcast it's been an idea for almost a year now because mm -hmm. i mean i i try my best not to consume pointless media Mm -hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are like shows on Hulu and Netflix mm -hmm. that I like, you know, I'm not saying I don't watch them, but a lot of the stuff I watch are people talking on YouTube, you know, mm -hmm. yep. get all out of it. Yeah. Spreading information. There's um, the full send podcast is my favorite podcast. I watch, I which, watch which one full send. Full, I haven't seen that one. Um, it's this guy named Kyle. He had like a, a, social media platform called Nelk, N-E-L-K. Okay. Uh, for the most part, they just started like doing lots of pranks and stuff. That's how like they got really, really big. And then they mm -hmm. started doing podcasting. I mean, they've podcast, they've interviewed Elon Musk, Tucker Carlson, Donald mm -hmm. Trump, Mark really? like, like big people, you know, like, yeah. I, I just feel like real information can be spread through spoken word, not through uh, created media. You know? Yeah, big corporate media. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, especially you. especially with the possibilities of AI that we have now. I mean, mm. I don't know if you know very much about Chat B, uh, Chat GPT, but that is no. But what what is it? It is crazy. It is like it's like this artificial intelligence platform that mm -hmm. you can literally type anything into the browser, and it has the ability to scan all of the internet and answer your question really I mean, it could be from what's a recipe for italian spaghetti to can you give me a three-month business plan on how to open a car wash really yeah it's 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 crazy and i and the thing it's getting so crazy that i don't know but if you know that's like the godfather of ai uh mm -hmm. the person from google who like started the whole ai program yeah. just quit because really? it's getting scary. Elon Musk and a lot of people. He was saying it's getting scary too. Elon Musk was. Yeah, Elon Musk is Elon Musk is like pushing right now for the American government to start putting regulations and policies. So pause it. They put a pause on it. Yeah, so companies can't cut corners to get ahead in the market. You know, because mm -hmm. all it takes is 
one mistake with AI and it really could be catastrophic for all of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff's crazy. It's really yeah. crazy. Um, That's scary. What else was I going to ask you? I don't know, man. Is there anything else you want to talk about or? I mean, whatever, man. I mean, to be honest, I think that uh, things that, like the world, I mean, I have a lot to talk about, obviously, if, if that's yeah. why, I, you know yep. what I mean? It's your chance. So I, I think something that is the most important for every human that sees this video to understand is that there is a holy Trinidad in America, big tech, big pharma, and the U.S. government, and they're all in cahoots to separate the wealth classes to create the poor and the rich, and that is it. They're wanting to yep. eliminate the middle class. The elite and the, the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor. Big Pharma only can make money one way, and that's if we get sick, you know? Mm -hmm. And not a lot of people, I mean, slowly now, I think it's getting to the point where it's being, it's more aware to a lot of humans that mm -hmm. a, a lot of the food that Americans consume is, is poison. Oh, yeah. It's created in a, a laboratory uh, mm -hmm. with all sorts of weird chemicals and preservatives and dyes. And, you yeah. know, it's, 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 it's really, honestly, it's scary. The fact that 90% of the food that is available to us is going to kill us slowly over time. Not everybody it doesn't kill everybody, but it kills some, you know? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. and so I just think that uh, like really ideally the best way to live would be to only consume fruits and vegetables and, meat if you raise the animals you know mm -hmm. uh, hopefully in the next 30 years i'll be able to create such an empire that i can um disappear and create a commune you know yeah. like off, kind of some something kind of off the grid but mm. also like up to date i mean because i'm a gamer i play playstation so i couldn't mm -hmm. like go without wi-fi you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but yeah, yeah i mean right. i i think that the, we're in a really really crazy place in the world right now you know mm -hmm. It's so crazy that a lot of the people that I associate on a day-to-day -day basis don't care to listen to this stuff because of how crazy it is getting, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. BRICS is like all some big, big countries in the world that all are like creating an alliance to overthrow the American dollar. Um, like Russia and China are like hooking up, you know, our, yeah. the, the whole stuff, all of this stuff that comes in the news about the corruption with our our presidency and our, mm -hmm. our our governments you know uh the 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 pandemic and then the, mm -hmm. the fake the fake medicine that the government and the social media platforms pushed on everybody to believe was a cure when mm -hmm. it, it actually it there there's statistics that show that people who don't have the vaccine actually have the lowest chance of contracting it you know the more mm -hmm. time the more times you get the booster or the vaccine the higher risk you have to to get to get sick you know yeah, just, we're, we're just we're just in a, a really weird place you know and i think that uh i i think and i hope that humans are opening their eyes to the, the world that we live in and realizing that everything is not what it seems you know there's there's lots of stuff happening um I just remember when when COVID started and all the lockdowns and my, my, I think it was my mother that told me like it's it, this is going to be a way of life you know COVID is going to be a way of life for all of us you know oh, and, yeah. and that's what it turned into it's still in a way is that way also right I was in prison for like most of like the the COVID like the lockdowns and all of that stuff um, so I didn't actually get to live through it mm -hmm. but 
but I mean, I, I understand what happened, you know? Yeah. And I, I just, uh, I struggled with, a, I struggled a lo- for a long time. Um, I have borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's an identity disorder. Um, basically, I have the ability to turn into a chameleon at any given situation and adapt to the people around me and say the things that apply to the people around me. You know, for example, if, if I'm in a room full of LDS people, I have the ability to adapt and not swear and talk about crazy stuff, etc. You know, and so I feel like I finally got to the point over the last few years where I'm like slowly curing my BPD because I'm. Uh, coming to terms with myself and I'm finally finding self-love and I'm finding myself proud of myself a lot. You know, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of things that, uh, for, for a long time, we were given misinformation about the human body and how our hormones and our feelings and all that stuff. And people don't are, we're starting to finally realize that like health and self-care and meditation and exercise, like all of those things are necessity to happiness, you know? They all, they all, they all create chemicals in your brain. And self-care is the most important thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. like the podcast thing and like social media and stuff uh, is like my way of self-care, you know? And to be honest, and it's, it's kind of addicting to be honest. Yeah. You know, social I mean, media can be for sure. Yeah, I mean, just, just like being a content creator is, is addicting because mm-hmm. like seeing the views and the likes and the comments and all that stuff. Oh yeah. You know I mean? It's, oh, it's, yeah especially the way that it is the algorithms are so weird that there's might be a video that you're like oh this is a banger and then it gets no views and then you Mm -hmm. post this video that's really pointless and it's just to post a video and then it gets tons and tons and tons of views you know Mm -hmm. it's it's they're they're designed to uh mess with our heads you know yeah exactly so uh so how how are your children i've got a nine or ten year old an eight year old um a six year and two six-year-olds yeah, hands full, huh? Yeah, three boys, and then my youngest is a girl. Like I actually, it's I just barely got done. All three of my boys have birthdays within six days. <laughs> what? Well, two of two of the kids are mine, and then two of the kids are my ladies. You know? Yeah. But, so I mean, it's not like we were pumping them out like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> but it, it, I mean, yeah, my kids are everything to me. You know, it's all, yeah. it's all I really. That's all, all I really. A lot of times. I mean, I think every parent has this, or even adult, just when you go to work, there's a lot of times where you just don't want to be there, you know? Mm-hmm. And if I didn't have kids, I could find myself convincing myself not to go to work a lot more easier than I do, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of times where I wake up and do the things that I do each day be- strictly because I'm a dad and I have kids that, per- that rely on me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, so what, what brought you down to Orem, just getting out of Salt Lake? Well, uh, so... I actually met my lady while I was in Cheyenne, Wyoming at a halfway house getting out of prison. Mm. And she lived in Orem. So when I got out of the halfway house, I just came here. But my intentions, to be honest, after I got out of prison was not to go back to Salt Lake. Uh, mm. I, I know a plethora of people. Um, and I just didn't want to even subject myself to the possibility of being com- like consistently and randomly bombarded by people I used to use with, you know? I just I just wanted to stay away and get get away from that area. You. you know what I mean? I, I mean now now it's fine. I I can go there and it's just fine. But I didn't want to live there. You know? Yeah. 
it, I mean, it's calmed down a lot, you know, down, especially right. down at the, down at the block, you know, it's not, it's oh, nothing yeah. like, it's nothing like it used to be, you know, I'm not, I'm rarely on that side of town, but you know, when I am, I, I you know, it, it's not, it's nothing like it used to be. Oh no, it, you know, it, it used to be crazy. I don't think people really have an understanding of how bad it, it used to be down there. People that are not from Salt Lake. Yeah. Like, or if somebody's if someone's watching this and doesn't know about this, just like an, imagine a party with like five hundred homeless people, twenty four hours a day, nonstop. All on dope. <laughs> All on drugs. Yeah. And there's prostitutions and violence and theft. Like it's it was a, it was like literally a concrete jungle. <laughs> yeah, it was a mess. Yeah. I just I just why do you think the cops let it go on for so long? I think that there were. Uh, I mean, I think that based off of their rights and the things that they're actually able to do is mm. that they have to have circumstantial evidence or be able to articulate suspicion in some way. Now, I mean, granted, you ha you'd have to be a fool not to think that some 16-year-old Honduran kid that's downtown Salt Lake at the shelter, and he's wearing $700 worth of clothing and jewelry, and he's, mm. a, he's a kid and wearing a backpack, chances are that you I mean you have to be dumb not to think that why do you hang down here you know but yeah. i just feel like it was something that the city was adapting to you know mm -hmm. i feel like i mean and i mean you've seen that they've tried to push the population down there in all sorts of different directions yep. and all they did was spread out a problem that was isolated to one area and they pushed it into five you know mm -hmm. yep that's the truth yeah, it's, it's another world. They did a good job, you know, with the Operation Rio Grande, though. I mean, they got everybody out of there. Oh, yeah. You know. Everybody that wanted help. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and like I said, they've had a few migrate back over there, but for the most part, it's, it's cleaned up, you know. Right. And now they got shelters, you know, in Murray or, you know, South Salt Lake. And, right. You know, you know, all the citizens up there, you know, they're all bitching about it. So. Right, right. You're always going to have someone that's not going to be happy about it. Right. I mean, I don't necessarily like the fact that i made those choices back in that day but i guess this is going to sound corny but the one thing that came out of that situation keith is that i met you and we're here talking today yeah absolutely and we go sober too right i mean I've, I've met a lot of people down there that are still you know not necessarily active in my life but people that I, that are sober and i speak to on a uh, you know occasional basis you know not a lot yeah. of people not a lot of people make it out keith you know they, they don't they don't it, it sucked because they had a, a guy that I was friends with in drug court and he yeah. was texting me the other day, asked me if I was still sober and if he could have my, my dealer's phone over right. and, and I ignored him. And then like the, the next day he texted me and he's like, you know, Hey man, you know, and he, he asked me again and I said, dude, I'm sober. I'm sorry. You know, and, right. and a good guy, he, wife and kids, you know, with has no business being out there. Right. You know, but none of us did. None of us had any business doing what we were doing. Right. You know, something, one thing that I just, just came to my mind about something that you, you asked me what helps me stay sober, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's a human. His name is Wim Hoff. Mm -hmm. uh, he is the pioneer of um, influencing humans to submerge themselves in freezing water for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. It's called eye cold plunging or ice baths. You know, this, this, this guy has broken many world records. Um, he ran a marathon in the Sahara desert with no water. 
Um, he and a group of people he trained were injected with E. coli and through breathing techniques and et cetera, were able to cure themselves. And he promotes just like breathing techniques and uh, exposure to cold water. Because what happens, what happens when you are in cold water for more than two minutes, and I'm not just meaning like kind of cold, I mean like cold water, you know? Freezing cold water, yeah. Yeah, after, after two minutes, your body starts um, pushing itself to create more brown fat. Now, brown fat is not white fat. White fat is what, what I got on my gut. Brown fat mm -hmm. is, is the fat that uh, is insulating and helps protect my organs. Mm -hmm. As well as it does a lot of things for like uh, self-control and like overcoming fears. It, it restricts all the capillaries and veins in your body and then lets them release. So like it, a lot of, you know, parts of your body that may have been old, you know, you find numbness in your feet, you're causing all the, all of those pores and everything in your feet to constrict. And then mm -hmm. to a point where like it's as tight as it can get. And then allowing the blood flow to back, back in there with circulation. It's, I do it every other Sunday. I go get in the Provo river. I did it all winter long. There was really, there were many times where there was ice in the river. I mean, oh, granted, there was man. only times I was in there for 40 seconds. I mean, but there's been other times where I'm able what's, to stay. What's the longest that you could stay in there for? The longest I've ever stayed on a kind like a, a cold day was like yeah. seven minutes. The, short, the shortest I had, and it was freezing, was like literally walk until the water touched my hips and it was so cold and I walked out. <laughs> But it's it's uh it's very good. It makes me feel great. I feel amazing the rest of the day when I do it. Uh, there's I have a lot of uh, friends and family that come to the and we we like we coordinate and all do it at the same time. There's a lot of females in my life that are friends with my my lady that mm -hmm. they they find healing and uh, courage and inspiration and support and it's just if 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 you haven't heard of Wim Hof, just YouTube Wim Hof. And you'll, you'll see what I mean. He's, he's changed the way that the medical world sees cold, the cold. Really? That's yeah. his thing. The ice baths. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. You see that like with football teams, they do it, you know, because sure. like with yeah. your, your body recovers quicker. Yeah. When you get in the ice baths. Right. Right. It's because it like speeds up your circulation. There's, there's lots and lots and lots of things that uh, I, I don't want to sound unintelligent because i won't be able to articulate them <laughs> yeah correctly but but there's lots and lots of health benefits to to cold exposure i hear you it's cool yeah. so um i don't have anything else man we're on the 30 minute mark so is there anything else you wanted to say or no man i just uh, want to let you know that i really appreciate everything you do man thank you give it give everybody your, your details one more time for your podcast okay so tiktok is <clears throat> uh, uh trip over drip um and that's my podcast as well, Trip Over Drip, or you can just look up my name on Facebook. I'm a public uh, public profile. I have like close to 30,000 followers, uh, just Trevor Hess. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it's, awesome. that, that's, that's what really encouraged me to do the podcast is that I have such a huge following on social media. Yeah. You know, honestly, I started creating content because of a friend of my wife's, her husband was paying TikTok for views. Like he mm -hmm. would pay them like $20 and then they would guarantee this, this amount of views for your video. And I took that as a challenge and I'm like, what? I'm fucking cool enough to get views. I don't need to pay for that shit. <laughs> yeah. I started doing it. I've got like, you know, 7,000 on TikTok and 
over, yeah. 20, over 25 on Facebook. So I feel like I have a good enough following to have a little footing under my, my butt when I hit this podcast, you know? That's awesome. It's awesome. Well, um, if anybody wants to be a, a guest on our show, uh, Rough Roads, just shoot us a text, 801-215-9680, or check us out on Twitter, um, at rough underscore roads, at rough underscore roads. Well, Trevor, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Absolutely, And uh, we'll do it again sometime. For sure. I'm coming back for sure. All right, Lee. All right, bye.